Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulika al-kareeb. Amma ba'd, we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. We're continuing Shahab Ahmad's What is Islam? And we're on page 91 with the paragraph that begins, It is difficult. Who wants to read? It is difficult when confronted by this famous and widely sung poem to agree fully with the insistence of a most eminent of scholar of Sufism that mystical folk poetry throughout the Islamic world has a strongly anti-intellectual bias. Okay, so that's an interesting point. Um, I'm not familiar with this reference itself, uh, but the, the person being quoted is Anne-Marie Schimmel. Anne-Marie Schimmel is a very interesting person because she was this big, big scholar, Oxford scholar on, oh no, Harvard scholar on the Sufis. I mean, she wrote all kinds of really interesting books. She was also a mentor for Carl Ernst, if you're familiar with him. Uh, and she's arguing that, you know, the spiritual path, mystical folk poetry, is anti-intellectual. Uh, but I think it's fair to uh, assume or fair to interpret at least from that passage that we just read last time, that whole poem, shall I call you such and such, shall I call you such and such, shall I call you such and such, that it is in a way very, very intellectual. And I think to, to bring both of those points together, the way to reconcile them both, is not so much that the way the Sufis is anti-intellectual, it's pro-experiential, mm. right? Which then may make it look anti-intellectual, mm. right? You want to say something? I'm still mulling. Okay. Thank you. Can you to mull? Yes, Shiza. What do you, can you define like intellectual, like, um, because even experience, I feel like that needs a certain level of cognizance to, 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 to you know, yeah. internalize, right? So here when we're talking about intellectual, we're talking about scholarly, like the, the consumption and production of, of scholarly knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So think of it from that perspective, as opposed to yeah, you're correct. Everything has this cognitive element to it, but we don't mean it's not what we mean is that uh, it's not resting on a written tradition. Okay. Yeah. So, like, something that would be, you know, strongly pro-intellectual would be, like, philosophers, for example? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Certainly, Sufi poetry is characterized by a privileging of knowing by the heart over knowing by the mind, and certainly the figure of the censorious pedophaging mullah is a standard object of satire in the poetry of the Balkans to Bengal complex. So the, the ultimate, uh, so pedophaging, according to Kindle, is placing undue emphasis on petty details. Oh, I'm going to use this word all the Oh time. yeah, totally. This is, this is a word I don't think I've ever used before or heard before. Even if I did, I probably... Um, got lost into some Sufi trance. Anyway, so, so the point being that um, it is very common to make fun of mullahs, and the most famous of all the mullahs that's made fun of is this character, Joha, a.k.a. Mullah Nasruddin. And so you'll always hear kind of all kinds of stories about him. Like, you know, Mullah Nasruddin was, was told to give a khutbah. And <clears throat> so he walks in and he says, okay, do you guys know what I'm going to speak about? And, like he didn't want to speak, and they said no. He said, "Okay, then why am I going to speak to you?" So he leaves. What if you treated like all your students like that? Don't I already do that? <laughs> no, like if you went to MSA lectures and events, yeah, and you totally. Asked them and then they were like, "No," and you just left. Yeah. Um, 
I think Mullah Nasruddin might be one of my mentors, right, in this, in this whole work. So then, you know, people get upset and they, and they get concerned. They bring him back. And so then he, he comes and gives another khutbah. And then he says, okay, do you guys know what I'm going to talk about? So now the people have gotten smart and they say, oh, yeah, we do. So he says, okay, then there's no need for me to talk to you. And he leaves. Okay. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so then they thought, all right, you know, this, uh, okay, he can't do this to us again. So they invite him back, and they ask him, or then he asks the same thing. Okay, do you guys know what I'm going to talk about? And one side of the room says yes, the other side of the room says no. He says, all right, you guys tell those guys. And then he leaves. There's all kinds of stories. Is this a real person? Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's another famous story that's attributed to many other people where Mullah Nasruddin is walking into a town... um, uh, riding on a camel, and his son is leading the camel. Oh, right, you know the story, right? Yeah. yeah. And then people start saying, "What kind of man is this? He makes his son walk, right?" And so then he gets off, and then he puts the son on the camel. And then other people start saying, "What kind of man is this? The son should be the one walking." And and so then he has both of them walk himself and the cat and the son. And some other people start saying, "You know, what kind of stupid man is this?" They're wasting all this camel space by walking. So then he puts both of them on. And then, you know, what kind of man is this? Look how, we, how he's abusing his camel, right? It's all kinds of cute little stories. Yeah. I heard it was, at one point, they carried the camel itself. Yeah, they probably, yeah, that'd be, that'd be totally a Mullah Nasruddin story, yeah. So is that the, the Juha? We talked about that in Universal and stuff like that. Is that... That was how, the extent of humor at Universal? No, no, I'm or, saying like... Juha, yeah. Like, how widespread was that Was that character? Oh, all over the place. Interesting. Right. Like, how, how did it proliferate so far and wide? I think it just caught on. Yeah, we, we have a big history of humor, uh, surprise, believe it or not, in our, in our whole history of our tradition. Really? All kinds of different, yeah, yeah. Why is that, like, mm. it was head <laughs> Yeah, I mean, enjoying life, according to modern Chicago Islam, is apparently regarded as haram. But, like, exaggerating for, like, laughs and stuff? Oh, totally. I mean, even like some of the passages in the Quran are looked at as being potentially humorous. Although, if you say that today, people regard it as blasphemous. Like, I secretly uh, thought that. Uh-huh. I mean, we're not talking about like La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, right? Right. Yeah. So, so like uh, this uh, uh, in Surah Najm, where the where Allah Taala is criticizing the Quraysh, saying, "You know, you guys don't want daughters, and you assign daughters to God, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense, right?" And so lines like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going through like a mental breakdown now because of <laughs> this contradicts what we have been taught in HIF school. Yeah, no, so. And then there's, you know, the prophet piece when he used to say humorous things, like the famous cases, this, this elder woman came to him and asked him if there's any hope for her to go to paradise, and he says there's no old women in paradise, right? And she's surprised that he said that, and she's disappointed. And then he explains, no, 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 meaning you'll be in this beautiful form and that's joking, finished. like, about paradise. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty intense... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's continue. But as we can see from the above Gafi, Sufi knowing, especially in the post-Ibn Arabi and post-Zuhrawardi centuries, is itself informed by intellectual theorization. This representative poem, composed to be sung in the regional vernacular, Hurls at Indus Valley folk audiences attending its oral performance in Sufi shrines and in other musical gatherings, 
a gamut of the critical concepts and, techn and technical terminology of philosophy, theology, and intellectual Sufism, and does so as a means by which to pose to those audiences a subtle and profound question, the exploration of which is reiterated in its every recitation and addition, namely, whether cognition of God is submission to fixity, or whether cognition of God is knowing by self of variegation, variegation, and how the two models relate in terms of being Muslim slash in terms of Islam. Okay, so... Sorry? I said I like this question. Uh, why? Well, I don't know if I'm understanding fixity, right? What does that mean, submission to fixity? What do you think? Well, I was reading this kind of in that, like the lens of that dichotomy between experience versus mm -hmm. like scholarship. So fixity here uh, generally uh, could speak of Allah as though he is still. And then by extension, you know, we're submitting to just like this set of rules, right? So like this thing that we talk about rather than like live in experience. Yes. Yeah. And so, so uh, the point he's making is that these, these Sufi lines are remarkably intellectual mm -hmm. and they're remarkably profound and it's not something that we're reading into them because you read through like that whole list of questions in that passage that came above. Now, this is not someone who is just coming up with some good lines and someone who's being clever. This is definitely the, the, these are the writings of someone who's very sharp. Right? And this is something to often think about. When, when thinkers or reformers or radicals when they get written off as being crazy or blasphemous, read through this stuff and see if that's the writings of a madman, you know. And very often they're not. It's just that they're shaking the, the what's the rocking the boat, in terms of the things that they're they're uh, saying. Mm. And so the effect that this stuff has for the lay people is not unlike the best example I can think of, which we might have talked about last time, was like something like hip hop, right? And even you, uh, I'd even say. You, as someone who appreciates stand-up comedy as an actual art, see a lot of that, right? That that comedians will be raising some profound questions oh, about yeah. how we do things, how we live life, right? That are in the package of a set of jokes, but there are actually some very, very profound questions. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. All right, continue. As such, this poem demonstrates amply the acuity, 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 acuity sharpness. Of of Christopher Shackle's characterization of the throwaway art of the most profound genre of the Punjabi music lyric, the Sufi Kafi. It is the throwawayness of the Kafi that is precisely symptomatic of the social ubiquity and commonplaceness of its profoundness. We might say that the discourses of the society of the Kafi are littered with its profundities. Okay, so what makes this also all the more uh, fascinating is that these lines are not being stated as though they're profound, right? They're just, they sound like cool lines. Shall I call you this? Shall I call you that? Shall I call you this? But then if you actually think about it and think, well, this was actually really, really profound. You know, I think you and I were having a conversation about Dave Chappelle's jokes about Bill Cosby, right? Yeah. And then that, that whole stand-up, you know, he, you'll have like the superhero who, who, you know, the way he gets his superpowers and such, yeah. you know, are things that I can't really pee in this right. recording. Uh, which at one level, okay, he's making rape jokes, okay? At another level, he's, he just has this goofy story about the superhero. But then if you take that uh, uh, on its own, it's a story of a guy who does all these amazing things, but also does some horrible things. Then if you connect it to the whole, uh, whole stand-up, the whole, uh, what do you call it, the whole set, set, 
yeah, then uh, then he's connecting that to Bill Cosby, who did all these very great things, and then he's also done these very very horrible things. So then, how do we? And then he connects it to like white heroes in society, uh-huh. like doing a question. It's like yeah, it's, so many layers. It's it's like it's it's just profound. But it sounds like really inappropriate, uh-huh. offensive, dumb nonsense yeah. one by one. Yeah, and so. It, we could easily fall into the trap of making something like that more profound than it is, but when it's a piece that long, how long was, was that set? Like an hour? Longer? It was longer, because yeah. I think yeah. they broke it into two for his special. Oh, yeah, right, 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 yeah. And, and so you can't read something like that into a piece that long if you keep seeing the same pattern in joke after joke after yeah. joke, right? It's definitely intentional. And, and so, but it's being presented like, yeah, I'm just telling a bunch of jokes, something throwaway but it's actually very very profound why are these throwaways so uh this comes uh this gets presented as something that someone will just hum right you know through the course of their day and they're actually humming something that's very very deep you know so they're not they're not so it would be different if they said you know this was published by harvard university press yeah no this is this is stuff that people are just humming along and, and, um, but it's saying something very, very heavy. And the overall point of this, whoops. I don't even know how to answer this. Oh, sorry. Let me just make sure it's still recording. Oh, he's still doing the record. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the overall point we're making is that this is how people were learning their Dean. So people weren't learning their deen necessarily, as far as we know, by way of, you know, classes on hadith and such. This is how they're learning their deen. Oh, wow. Through, through performance, through art and all that stuff. Right? This is how people are being taught the concepts of, of life and the concepts of belief. So um, this person who's, for example, humming this song or this um, poem, how, how often would the layperson actually think about this versus just, you know, I think it's one of those things that it's just it becomes part of the air. So mm-hmm. so think of of you know like so like you know now there's all these movies coming out about the origins of hip hop and rap and stuff. And mm-hmm. so think of like NWA, like when it came out, it came out as something very consciously socially conscious, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so but people are also attracted to it just because of the beat and the rhymes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so think of it from the perspective that, okay, Whoa. individual lines will stick with people, right? Mm-hmm. F the police, right? I don't know how many people can uh, repeat the entire or remember the entire song, but, you know, the chorus is very, very clear, and that's what will stay with people. Right, because I'm thinking, like, in terms of my own, like, like, I listen to hip-hop too, but, like, I don't, it's very rare that I actually read it, the lyrics of a song to, like, actually figure out what the author was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I don't know, just like, and like that, I'm comparing it to comparing it to this. Yeah. I feel like, how often does a person actually internalize? Those so I would I would ask for you in your own reflection a couple things. Um, are you the primary audience mm-hmm. of of for example rap mm-hmm. or in hip hop? Yeah. Okay? I'd say from a consumer level, you're one of many audiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say for something like, you know, an example like NWA, which has a very very specific style, mm-hmm. I suggest that you and I are not the primary audience. Right. And thus it is for me, it's not speaking to me mm-hmm. about my plight. Yeah. Right. But it is speaking to me about someone else's plight and it speaks very much to that person. Right. Right. And so I'm guessing that's how it would play out here, too.
right? And so try to think of, of something, you know, in, in music or art that you feel like it really, really speaks to you, right? So for whatever reason, um, you know, Chris Cornell, who committed suicide like a couple months ago, like over the past week uh, or past two weeks, over and over again, I've been playing this one uh, cover he does of uh, that Sinead O'Connor song, Nothing Compares to You, right? And I've literally been playing it over and over and over again. So for whatever reason right now, it speaks to me quite a bit, right? Uh, I didn't know he did it until uh, after, after he took his life, and a friend of mine sent it to me. And at that time, I was just appealed. I was just, because I hadn't listened to him much before, and I just found his voice amazing, right? And his specific rendition is the one that speaks to me more than Sinead O'Connor's, much more than Prince's rendition, and even though he's the guy who wrote the song. Um, and so I think that, uh, I mean, there is a, a cultural relevance element to all this, too. Okay. What do you think? That makes sense. Yeah. So then think about that. Uh, I'd suggest then, you know, with the question being, okay, is it speaking to you? Uh, if you don't feel the need to pull from that, see where you do turn to to find meaning. Like this person's voice, like their words capture something about my life, right? The hard part of being different levels of minority is that it's hard to find that in, in a society like ours. And I think a lot of the things that appeal to people appeal to their very particular experience. So I'm guessing in most of these populations, Muslims were a very, very large, if not majority population, so it plays out very differently. But the key point, explore how you learn your dean. And this is how a lot of people are learning their dean, what they reflect upon, what they're giving priorities to and such. Yeah. Right, let's continue. Um, most people did slash do not learn, or at least were slash are not introduced to, the ideas and vocabulary of wahdat al-wujud or mm. hikmat al-ishraq. Yeah. By studying, I by studying directly the text of Ibn Arabi or Sahrawardi, mm. rather they learned these, learn slash ed these values, methods, and truth claims from attendance of poetic musical performances, and from literary iteration. Mm. So, this will probably stop shortly after this, but um, I mean, this reminds me even so much of my childhood. So, growing up, we didn't go to the masjid as much as, or, um, no, let me rephrase it. So I don't remember how old I was when my dad made me start going to Juma. Um, I mean, it definitely was not when I was a little kid. Part of the reason is that there's no masjids nearby, right? But there were poetry readings. So these mushairas were all over the place. Saturday nights, my folks would go to those things all the time. Wow. And people would recite poetry, they'd write poetry, they'd listen to poetry. Those mushayras still go on. My parents don't go nearly as much as they used to, although my dad still writes poetry. Basically, my dad, uh, my dad writes poetry and watches cricket. Like, that's like, I mean, he's like living up the life now, mashallah. But, and he goes to pray, you know, all five. I'm sorry? All in mosque? Yeah. And so, so I'm saying, uh, we don't think about that too much when we think about Islam in Chicago, but that was a big part of Islam in Chicago way back in the 70s, right? That was uh, culturally, in my anecdotal experience, more common than preachers. Do you feel like we've lost that artistic yeah. whatever? Totally. Speaking as an art school grad, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've uh, uh, we've lost it in a dishonest way because mm -hmm. everybody still watches movies, everybody still watches Bollywood oh, and all that stuff. that's so true. Right? Um, but uh, everyone's become consumers. And 
So they're watching popcorn, right? Popcorn movies, mm -hmm. but not appreciating what art does for a person. Mm -hmm. yeah. In any case, my, my next empl uh, employee, my next uh, appointment is here. So we, uh, what page are we on? 91 still. Okay, so we literally made it through like four <laughs> sentences. Because I didn't even get to talk about Wahdatul Wujud. Right, Subhanakal Allahumma bihamdika, nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, nasakfiru kanatu ilaik, wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.